to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for once again opening our mind and our heart up to your kingdom. Father, we give you glory for what you're revealing to us in this day and in this hour. We thank you that you're making us disciples to go forward and teach other people, not only about you, but about the kingdom that you're restoring to the earth. We thank you for what you're going to do tonight and give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, Genesis chapter 1 tonight, verse 26, all the way back to the beginning. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth on the earth. First of all, you got to stand, when, and then God starts repeating stuff, it's because he's trying to make a point. And here in two verses, he said, basically, mankind was created for something called dominion. Dominion is the purpose for every person who's been created. Dominion means a kingdom. It means to have sovereign rule. It means to have royal power. It means to have authority. So every person was created with authority, created with sovereign rule, created with royal power. The first thing notice that man was given by his creator was authority and was dominion. It was not worship. It was not religion. It was not even a church service. It was dominion. God expected man to use the dominion that he gave to him. So we find the primary purpose for human creatures that he made was dominion and a kingdom and authority. And why do I say it's the most important thing? Because you can worship and still not rule. You can go to church and still be under bondage the whole time. That's why dominion is so important. I mean, you can be the most wonderful worshiper in the world, but if you don't use your dominion or don't believe that you have it, you're going to live in bondage anyway. So it's not really attending church. It's not really being the best little Christian you can possibly be. It's not really worship. The main thing God created us for is dominion. So basically, Every person here and every person created has that dominion was created on the inside of them. They're a spirit being. So everybody wants to rule. Everybody wants to dominate. Everybody wants to be able to control their circumstances and their situations. When, when I read about this, I thought, gee whiz, there's a lot of circumstances and situations in my life at that time that I was allowing and putting up with in my life, not understanding that I had authority in those situations to get through them situations. So what did I do? I prayed that those situations would never happen again. Well, how many know that didn't work? I prayed I'd never run into a bad circumstance. How many know that certainly didn't work? So what I had to do, I had to start to understand that God had given me authority and was placed on the inside of me, and that authority and dominion is for us to rule when situations and circumstances come our way. And that's why one of the most important things the Bible always talks about is something called wisdom. Wisdom will help you in every situation, every circumstance that comes your way. The wisdom of God always works. It's amazing to me that God went to Solomon, said you can have anything you want. Have you ever thought about that? God shows up in the middle of the night, said, man, you can have anything you want. And most people would say, well, I want a million dollar house. I want to win the lottery. I want to do this. And Solomon said, wisdom. He said, I wanted wisdom. Yeah. 
Why? Because he understood God, he understood the spiritual realm, and the most important thing that you can have is wisdom. Wisdom about a kingdom, wisdom about your authority, wisdom about who you are. So there's a hunger in every person basically to dominate your situations and dominate your circumstances, and this is, I believe, why bondage is so upsetting. Whenever you're in bondage to anything, whenever you're sick, whenever you start to get depressed, you feel terrible, even worse than you do naturally. Why is that? Because in your heart of hearts, you know that you're supposed to be ruling in that situation, and instead you're in bondage. That is why basically being in bondage to something, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's anything else, you just feel like a loser because deep on the inside of you, there's a knowing that you don't have to be addicted to anything. You can be ruling over what you're addicted to. And notice, we have God-given authority, but we have plants ruling over people. Christians, plants. We have alcohol and grains ruling over people. Shouldn't be that way. We've got authority in those situations and circumstances, and we can use that authority to stay free in every single air of our life. If a person does not learn control and authority in their life, basically they will start to misuse it. In other words, they'll start to manipulate people. You'll start to gain authority and control in their lives because you can't do it in your own life. And we see that in the natural world. We see nation against nation. What is that? It's an authority fight. We see husbands and wives. What is it? An authority fight. We see children and their parents. How many of you know you never sat your children down and said, okay, here's how you manipulate me and dad? <laughs> no, they already knew that, didn't they? You didn't have to teach them that. They had it figured out from the age of three how to manipulate you two and do something with it. That's because born on the inside of them was this authority placed in there, and it's in there, but it's got to be used in the right direction and cannot be used to be for perversion and things like that. So basically, if we find out the authority we have and we realize from the kingdom of God what we're using it for, then basically if we're using it in the right direction, you will be followed by people rather than having to control people. And that's what it's all about. Even in the church world today, there's a lot of people in leadership who want to control their people. If you're ever in a denomination, it was 100% control. They were controlling you. They were telling you what you had to do or you were going to go to hell. I mean, no, that's control. Especially if you didn't know no different because you didn't want to go to hell. So whatever they told you basically was a controlling thing. If they tell you that the only way you can get rid of your sins is to come to me because I'm the person you have to go through. I mean, no, that's control. If you want to get rid of your sins, you're going to come to that person and do it. What are they trying to do? Control. Religion is nothing but control. That's all it is, is to control people in their lives because religion can't keep people coming back because there's no truth there a lot of times to keep them coming back. So a person needs to control, basically learn how to dominate, needs to learn how to have authority, but mostly in your own life to stay free. So most people spend their whole life, and what do they do? We seek things, and we seek money. Why do we do that? Because we believe things and money give us the control and authority that we need in every situation. People call money what? The almighty dollar. The Bible says you cannot serve how many masters? Two. And what does it talk about? It talks about God and? And mammon and money. So God, God was pointing out to people where, where their problem was going to be with this authority. You're either going to put it in money, you're either going to put it in something that tries to get you authority, or you're simply going to put it in the authority that God has already given you that came directly from Him. So most people with money, uh, if you check them out, who are rich and famous right now, are in more bondage than the poor people. Got all, they can't stay married, they're on their 15th marriage, they're, they're out there not knowing what they're doing, they're losing their house, they're losing their money, they're doing everything else. Why is that? Because money is not the answer to what's going on right now. It's the kingdom of God and your authority that's the answer in every situation. People think, well, if I only hit the lottery, if I was only rich, if I only had a better job. But money is not the answer to the reason you were created. 
You were created to have dominion given from God and authority, and that's what fills the hunger that's in the heart of every human being. All right, go to Matthew 19. And every government you see, other than the kingdom of heaven that comes out of the earth rather than out of the spiritual realm of heaven, sooner or later will go off into control. In other words, they'll want to control the people sooner or later. They do it in different ways, but they want to control everybody. That's because every government that comes up out of the natural is corrupt, and God's government, of course, is not corrupt. All right, Matthew chapter 19, look at verse 16. And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing should I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What do I lack? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that, he went away sorrowful, because why? Because he had great possessions. Now here we see a young man. He was a rich young guy, but basically he kept the commandments. He was a pretty good guy here. He was after God. He had a hunger for God in his heart. He was doing everything right, but there was something missing. He was not fulfilled. He was not happy, so he came to Jesus and basically said, I got all this money. I'm being the best boy I can. What am I missing? And Jesus simply said, well, what you got to do is get rid of what's keeping you from putting the kingdom first, and then you'll be able to keep the kingdom first. And the guy didn't like that because he was ruled by money, not by the hunger that was in his heart. If he'd have sold everything that went with the hunger in his heart, he would have got that money back, how many of you know, and a lot more money than he had to begin with. But God could not switch his priorities on what he wanted. Money was basically controlling him he was not controlling money. How many know money is controlling people in this day and this hour? Controlling a lot of Christians, controlling a lot of people for money, money, money. They'll do anything. They don't go to church. Why? They're too busy doing this. They don't, they don't read the Bible. Why? They're too busy making more money. So money can be your God also. But Jesus says you have to have what you need is the kingdom of God. That's what you need. And then the Bible says all these things will be added unto you. So it's a priority issue, isn't it? All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. All right, Matthew chapter 5, here's the answer. Look at verse 3. Blessed are they that, well, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. How many of you know we were all poor in spirit at one time? For theirs is the kingdom of what? Of heaven. So notice, here's the answer to man's need, to every man who was born into this world who was poor in spirit. The answer is not religion. The answer is not go to heaven. The answer is the kingdom of God to mankind. So the kingdom must become man's priority in order for you to live the kind of life God wants you to. The kingdom was also Jesus' purpose and his priority when he was here. I hear the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Uh, well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to know where he went. And if you don't study the four Gospels, you don't even know where Jesus went, so how are you going to follow him anywhere? Because you don't even know what he went. But not only was it our priority and supposed to be, but it was also Jesus himself. It was his priority for being here. 
Look at Luke chapter 4. All right, Luke chapter 4, look at verse 40 first. It says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he did what? Healed them. Look at verse 33, or 43. And Jesus said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I what? Sent. So here we see Jesus healed the sick, he cast out devils, he did all these miracles, but he was not sent to do these things. Here it says he was sent to preach, what? The kingdom of God. Therefore am I sent. So Jesus was sent here basically to preach the kingdom of God, but the result of the kingdom of God is everything that goes with it, which is healing, which is deliverance, which is peace, which is joy. So even though he demonstrated the kingdom, he first was here to preach the kingdom of God. Notice what he said, I must preach the kingdom of God because that's why I was sent. And then we read later on, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Well, if he sent Jesus to preach the kingdom, then it's obvious to me that he sent us to preach the kingdom of God and, and get to know the kingdom of God, study the kingdom of God, and help others with the kingdom. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. Okay, here's Jesus' first sermon, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So once again, this is Jesus' first sermon. He tells people to repent because the kingdom of heaven is now here. He wants people to change their way of thinking because the kingdom of God is here. That means when you enter the kingdom of God, there's a good chance your way of thinking is not the kingdom way of thinking, or Jesus would have never told you to repent about the way you were thinking because you could already be thinking right, which you weren't. That's why you had to repent to change it. What do we know about? We knew about religion. We knew about our denomination. We knew about heaven. We knew about democracy. We knew about different governments, but we knew nothing about the kingdom of heaven itself. So he came and said, change your ways. You're going to have to change your thoughts because the kingdom I'm bringing is not like the kingdom that you are here. So the kingdom, once again, was Jesus' priority, and it's what he preached. Chapter 4, look at verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatics, and those that had the palsy, and he did what? He healed them. Now notice this is very interesting. He went around, first of all, preaching and teaching before he healed most of these people, because he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And this tells me that the good news about the kingdom will help anybody because there's a whole variety here. Some people were tormented with devils. Some people had diverse diseases. Some people were lunatics. Some people had the palsy. But the gospel of the kingdom will work for anybody, any person, because the gospel of the kingdom is inclusive in every single person. All right, go back up to Matthew chapter 5. We read this once, we'll read it again. Look at verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is the answer? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, go up to chapter 5, verse 20. 
Jesus says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case even enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I mean, you know, this, this made people mad because basically they were teaching a way of righteousness through your works, through being a good boy or good girl, and that was going to get you in. And Jesus came along to these people who were the most religious and holy everybody thought in that day and he came along and said what they're doing ain't really going to help you much your righteousness isn't going to come from them and from your works it's basically going to come from me so I was in religion for a long time I was into works I was into doing this stuff finally I accidentally got born again nobody taught it to me the spirit of God just explained it to me and I got born again one time then I went back to church and they taught me rules and regulations again so I was born again in the kingdom of God and went right back to the same works that I was doing before I entered the kingdom of God because that's all I knew to do. And then I started reading scriptures about Jesus didn't talk about my works and didn't talk about me getting in, didn't talk about me earning it. He basically talked about his works. So basically I had to come to a point where I had to change my way of thinking and my ways of doing things. And there's nothing freer to know that your freedom does not come from your works but comes from his work. That is the freedom right there. Whenever you get by that, so many people are born again and living in religion. I've got to do this or God won't love me. I've got to do this or I'm going to go to hell. I've got to do this. And it's up to my works. And one day they do good and boy, they're on top of the world. And the next day they mess up and then they're guilty and they're down and out for a long time. No, no, it's based on his works. And since it's based on his works, your righteousness comes from him. It wasn't on your works and your righteousness still doesn't come from your works. It still comes from the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you do that, it sets you free in that area and keeps you out of bondage. All right, chapter 6, look at verse 33. This is Jesus' life. Verse 33, Jesus says, But you need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here he preaches the kingdom of God as the priority. Your first priority of mankind is to seek and understand the kingdom of God. Why? So you can think and act in the kingdom of God, extend the kingdom of God, which is our call and our purpose, and operate in our authority and our dominion. All right, go up to chapter 9. If you just go over the Gospels and underline everything that says the kingdom of God, you're going to have a lot of streaks before it's over with. Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So here's Jesus going about all cities, all the cities. In other words, every city he went to, he preached the same thing. He didn't go to one city and say, well, the kingdom's not going to work here, so I'm going to preach something else. Let me go to this kingdom. Maybe this is going to be a kingdom city. Then let me go here. No, he preached the same sermon over and over and over again because the kingdom is so vast, you will never understand the whole thing. You just never get to, you'll understand your denomination after a little while, but you'll never understand the kingdom of God because it's so vast. So Jesus went from city to city to city and preached what? The gospel of the kingdom of God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 12. I just kept all these in Matthew so you could find them. All right, Matthew 12, look at verse 28. Jesus said, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So here he, he makes a qualifier. He said, I'm casting out spirits by the Spirit of God, and the reason I can do that is because the 
kingdom of God has come. Notice he did not say because democracy has come. He didn't say because religion has come. He said because the kingdom of God has come. It's a spiritual kingdom we're talking about. It's not the natural kingdoms that we're hearing on the news and everything right now. All that stuff's natural. We're talking about a spiritual kingdom that God ushers in through Jesus Christ and through his people. So what did he preach? The kingdom of God and the spirit of God is the kingdom of God. All right, go to chapter 13. All right, in Matthew 13, Jesus really gets on a roll. Look at verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Look at verse 31. Another parable put forth, The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Verse 33. Another parable spoke, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole is leavened. What was he doing? He was explaining and trying to get people to understand the kingdom of God. Verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man has found, he hides and for joy then goes thereof, sells all he has and buys the field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking godly pearls. Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like, do you think you'd have got bored under his preaching? You just think, don't you know anything, Jesus, but the kingdom of God? Didn't God teach you anything but these things? Because he went over and over. I mean, you do that in this day and age, people think you're nuts. Like, look at Matthew 16. Look at verse 19. Jesus said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Here he talks about there are keys to the kingdom of God. And those keys, notice it, this is an important verse because everybody thinks that God has the keys, but you have the keys in the kingdom of God. It's what you allow and what you disallow. It's what you bind and what you loose. It's not what God binds and God looses. It's not what God allows and doesn't allow. Here he says you have the keys of the kingdom. What's a key for? A key will either lock your door or it will unlock your door. So when you have the keys of the kingdom, it gives you the opportunity to access everything that's in the kingdom, from peace to joy to health to power to everything that's in his kingdom. Those keys unlock you into that. And a lot of people deal on sympathy and self-pity. You can walk up to your house tonight and you can get there and you can stand outside the front door and you can cry and you can scream and holler that the front door won't open and you can plead and beg. And how many know the door ain't going to open? You're going to have to take the key, put it in the lock, turn the key, and walk into the house. And here's where Christians are at. They're in the kingdom of God. They don't understand they got any keys. They ain't got no keys. And they're crying out to God. And they're begging God to get in. And they're doing this and doing that. And it's not going to work because God deals on the keys also. He cannot let somebody get in without a key. Then not you let you in without a key. Because that would be a dishonest God. So he gives us the keys of the kingdom. So as we study the kingdom, we get the keys of the kingdom. We understand how the kingdom works. We understand how to bind things, how to loose things, how to get through situations and circumstances that each and every one of us want to control. And it's all revealed to us through Jesus teaching on the kingdom, teaching on the kingdom, teaching on the kingdom. That's all he did Why he was trying to let people get it. All right, go to Luke chapter 9.
All right, Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So here's Jesus saying, I'm going to need a little help here. I can't get everywhere. I'm going to need somebody called disciples. So he got his 12 disciples together. He told them to go heal and do everything that he was doing, but he told them to preach the kingdom of God. And these were his disciples. How many of you want to be disciples? Then you're going to have to preach the kingdom of God in order to be a disciple. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Go to Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, In whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is nigh unto you. Once again, he commissioned his 12 disciples. He told them to heal, to cast out, to preach. And he told them to preach what? The kingdom of God is here. How about his disciples today? Should his disciples be preaching the kingdom of God, do you think? Yes, they should. Now go back. I'll tell you, here's the tough part for me. I like verse 9, but verse 8. And into whatsoever you enter, whatsoever city, and they receive you, eat such things before you. I've got more problem eating what people put before me that I don't like than I do preaching the kingdom of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. I mean, I don't want to go to Africa and eat some green chicken. I'm sorry. I just don't want to do that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Eat what they sit before you. I'm in a deep fast while I'm here. Deep, deep fast. God has spoken. God has spoken. I've heard it. Audible voice. Yeah, yeah. Man should not live by chicken alone. All right, Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 1. The former testes have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto his apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to what? The kingdom of God. Now Jesus died, raised from the dead. This is after the resurrection, and guess what he's still preaching for 40 days? The kingdom of God. All right, go to Acts chapter 8. People say, why do you preach the kingdom? I say, why don't you? All right, Acts chapter 8, look at verse 12. But when they believed Philip, who was preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ they were baptized both men and women then Simon himself believed also and when he was baptized he continued with Philip and wondered beholding the miracles and the signs which were done once again here's Philip what was Philip preaching the kingdom of God what followed the kingdom of God preaching signs wonders miracles and deliverance all right go to Acts chapter 28 Right, Acts 28, look at the final two verses there, verse 30. Here's Paul, and when Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came into him, what did he do for two whole years? He preached the kingdom of God 
and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. So this was the Apostle Paul. What did he do in his ministry? He basically preached the kingdom of God. He preached it for two years straight to people because he wanted to help them understand the kingdom of God. So by these scriptures, you can see that Jesus' priority was definitely the kingdom of God. He tells us to make the kingdom of God our first choice, our priority. And when you make that switch, it, it just allows peace and joy and contentment and stuff into your life as long as you put your priorities in the right area. All right, go to Matthew chapter 6. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, here is basically Jesus teaching on the kingdom of God. Look at verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where shall we live? What car shall we drive? What are the things we need to have? Whither else shall I be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But you have to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Here he basically talks about life itself. He says our life basically is the sum total of all the decisions we make to prioritize things each and every day. Our decisions are determined by your priorities. Every decision that you make every day, first of all, should be put to a priority that you made before you made the decision. If you identify the correct and right priorities in life, then you will be successful and make the right decisions in life. The three main things that I learned was the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without a purpose, a life with the wrong priorities. The greatest mistake in life is to be busy, which everybody is, but not effective. The greatest failure in life is to be successful in the wrong assignment. The key to life then comes down to correct priorities, putting first things first. Here he says, seek first, priority. What is a priority? It's a principal thing. It's the primary focus. In today's society, what is it? Well, it's mostly for most human beings, it's water, it's food, it's clothes, it's housing, it's protection, it's security, it's a good job, it's money. These are the basic priorities of the world today. And most religions promise you these things. Most governments promise you these things. Why do you think they do that? Because they want to get elected. Even if they don't deliver it, they're going to promise it to you. Most prayers and petitions in the church are for these things. Much of what we've called faith is basically striving to get these things. And notice what Jesus says. Don't even think about these things. Don't even think about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will do. Don't even think about those things. Don't even worry about those things. What are most of our worries about? 
What shall we eat? Do we have enough money? Can we pay our bills? Blah, 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 blah. And here Jesus comes right out and tells us that we shouldn't even think about those things. Why is that? Because worry basically consumes your thought life. It causes you to fret about things that don't even happen. It causes you to fear the unknown most of the time. I think most of the sickness in the world today and breakdowns and high blood pressure comes from worry. This comes from thinking on the wrong things, being worried about this, being worried about that. Well, what should I do? Jesus says, I got the answer. Seek ye first the kingdom, the number one priority. The kingdom is more important than your basic needs. Right priority of the kingdom of God will supply all your needs according to your riches in glory if you put them in the right order. Things cannot, become, cannot come before the kingdom. Worldly things do not come before the kingdom. The kingdom comes first in all these things. And why are all these things added? Because it gives you access to the kingdom of God in your home country when you understand the kingdom. And how many of you know heaven's not going to run out of money, not going to run out of clothes, not going to run out of anything? So once you learn the kingdom of God and learn that you can get access to things from your home country that you need, basically you are an ambassador, the Bible says down here, and God has no choice but to supply your needs if you just don't worry about them. Because any ambassador in any country don't take care of his own needs. The government takes care of his own needs. His kids go to college for free. Car he gets is a freebie. The place he lives in is paid for. Why? He's an ambassador. It's a natural thing. It's all taken care of. Well, we're ambassadors, but we keep worrying our way out of our access to the kingdom of God. And God will supply our needs according to what? The world? To his riches in? glory so the home country says hey you're an ambassador I'm going to take care of everything you got if you just quit worrying about it if you quit acting like a gentile and act like a child I'm your daddy I'm your support system I can handle it as long as you put the kingdom of God first you'll understand how this works so the number one priority for mankind is that we discover and understand and enter into the kingdom of God here it tells us to seek say seek seek means to pursue it means to study to explore, to learn about, to get an understanding of the kingdom of God. A kingdom is a government, it's not religion. The governing influence of a king over a territory. And the king desires to impact it with his personal will, his purpose, his intent. He wants to produce a culture of values and morals of the nature of the king. Now we talked about this several weeks ago. We talked about when the Bahamas was basically became a colony of Britain. When, when they got in there, what did they do? They taught them everything they wanted to teach them from their home country so they would line up with their home country. They speak the king's English. They drive on the wrong side of the road. They have tea four times a day. And they're not even, they've already separated. They're not even under British rule anymore. But they still act like the Britons. So why do they do that? Because they came over there and they influenced them with their morals, with their values, with the way they did things. And it traveled into the country. Well, now God wants to take his heavenly values, his heavenly morals, his heavenly ways and ideas and bring them into the earth realm. The only way he can do that is through man because he gave man the power and ability and the purpose to do it down here. So if we as Christian people, so-called Christian, when we're kingdom people, if we don't line up with his morals and line up with his attitudes and line up with his ways, how are we going to bring that kingdom into this kingdom? 
See, if I was going to start another church someplace, maybe on the West Coast, I wouldn't take somebody who walked in here one time, don't even know what I teach, and put them over there to, to make a sub of this church because they wouldn't have any idea what to teach. So even though there'd be another church over there, you go to that church and say, my God, that's a lot different than the other church. So God basically put us here, and we've got to understand and learn how the kingdom operates in order to extend the kingdom if we're going to extend the kingdom of God. So how many know that's going to take some study time? going to take some pursuing time. It's going to take some ways of thinking that we thought before because we want to impact this earth realm. We want to make a difference in this earth realm. We want to bring the nature of the king into this earth realm. Notice what he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his, say his, no it's not a righteousness but his righteousness. What is his righteousness? It is right positioning. It's having a right alignment with the authority and with the government. It's basically to have fellowship, to be in right relationship with the authority, which gives access to our legal rights. So we want to stay in right standing with the kingdom of God. And a lot of times we equate that with sin, and that's okay, but you can just be stupid and not sin. Do you know what I mean? Sure, if you rob a bank or you do all that stuff, that's sin. But if you continue to think the way the world thinks, you're still disconnected from God, and you're not rightly aligned with Him, even though you're not sinning, you just don't know are you following me? You just don't know right from wrong. So you think right is wrong and wrong is right. And you're going on. And you're never going to confess that because you don't even know you're sinning until you find something in here that contradicts the way you're thinking. And all once you say, my God, I'm out of line with God. That's not the way God thinks. Uh, gee whiz, I didn't know I was supposed to have to give and be given unto me. I didn't know anything about tithing. My, I didn't know anything about loving my enemies. My God, that's really ridiculous. But I better line up with the kingdom of God if that's with the kingdom of God. So I'm making that adjustment. And the more I do that, I'm getting more and more in right alignment with the kingdom of God. And the more in right alignment you get, the more all these things are added unto you. And what are these things? All the things you need. Social things. Emotional things financial things, security things. In other words, he's telling you to be a law-abiding citizen. How many of you know if you're not a law-abiding citizen in the United States, you go to jail? Or if you're not a law-abiding citizen in the kingdom of God, how many know you end up in trouble? You know, because that's the way it, and it's not, well, God just did it because I failed. No, it's a law. It's not God that even judges you, it's the law that judges you. You might not know the law of gravity and climb up on a seven-story building and jump off. I'll tell you what, I didn't know. It didn't matter whether you knew or not. And it wasn't God saying, well, God just taught him a lesson for jumping off that building. No, you jumped off the building, gravity is a law, and you're going to hit the cement. Brother, God had nothing to do with it. He was probably the one telling you not to jump. See, so it's all laws that God gives us. So we step outside. We don't tithe. We hoard. And we wonder, I didn't, they never got any money. You're never going to have any money unless you do it somehow in the natural. I would suggest you rob a bank. It's what everybody else does to do it. So praise God, get in there and do it because it doesn't work. It doesn't hook you up to the kingdom. You are breaking spiritual laws and disconnecting from your spiritual government, which is up there. But we put sin on, oh, I had a bad thought. Oh, I cussed once. Oh, I, I'd rather have you cuss all the time and line up with his ways of thinking and doing stuff. You see, we put on such little things, we're, we're examining ourselves so often that we drive ourselves nuts. I was taught every night before I went to bed, kneel down and find out everything wrong I did that day. And some days I could think of a lot of things, and some days I couldn't think of things, so I made some things up. Because everybody told me I was a sinner, and I was supposed to do some things wrong that day. So I, I had to come up with something to tell God. My God, I just didn't want to go before him. And, and he'd sit there waiting. He's got a lot of other people to deal with. I didn't want him to spend all his time with me. But this is the way we think, you know, this is the way we go. This is the way, when you're walking in the kingdom of God, most of the alignment you need is right here. And if you line this up, robbing a bank will not be a problem. 
You won't even think about robbing a bank. But we want to deal with, oh, I, I shouldn't ro- I robbed that bank and I shouldn't. No, that wasn't the problem. The problem was you were thinking in line with the world. You acted like the world, which is not in line with the God, and you ended up in a mess. And basically that's why you're sinning to begin with. Your sinning comes from wrong alignment. Once you get right alignment with God, you won't do that. When you find out that you're going to love every neighbor as yourself, you'll stop screaming at people, flipping people off, hollering at people, kicking people, slapping people, because once you get that revelation that you love your enemy, you love your neighbor, you love everybody you'll stop doing that once you line your mind up with that see once you understand that your words are powerful and every word that comes out of your mouth is important in people's lives you'll start watching what you say you won't have to worry about cussing anymore that'll be the furthest thing from your mind but people oh I, I'm sorry pastor I cussed I don't care if you cuss or not praise God I'm not here to write down how many times you cuss while I'm playing basketball with you it really doesn't make any difference if you want to come up with some new words I don't care I don't even know what they are Just see it has nothing to do with me it has nothing to do with anything else it has to do with are you lining up here in your thoughts and in your ways with God and the more you line up with him the less sinning you're going to do because you start thinking like God how many know he didn't struggle with sin he's never come to me at my bedtime and then told me his sins after I told him mine Why is that? Because he thinks right. His ways are right. He's not thinking about sinning. He's not thinking about committing adultery. He's not thinking about all these things. But as we change our mind and start to think like him, all this stuff that we struggle with is just going to fall off of you, and you ain't going to have to deal with it anymore. Praise God. Addiction will fall off your life, praise God, when you know you're not labeled as an addictive person, as a druggie, as an alky, as all these things. When you find out that God calls you his son, praise God, and your child, and you're not these things, then you won't go back into that stuff again. But as long as you believe that's who you are, you're going to be repenting and repenting and repenting and repenting and repenting and repenting. And I thought that's the way the kingdom worked because nobody told me. So what did I do? I went out and got drunk on Saturday night, and I went to church on Sunday, and I cleaned up. And I started drinking again on Monday and Tuesday, and I got to Sunday, and I went back to church, and I got cleaned up. And I just hope I died some Sunday night when I was cleaned up <laughs> rather than Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when I wasn't cleaned up. And I was hoping God's timing, so I prayed for God's timing. If I'm going to die, please make it be on Sunday after church. On my way out the door, take me. Because I thought it was based, once again, see, that's wrong thinking. Well, it's not based on that. Anyway, I wasn't saved either way. didn't matter what I did. I was not born into the kingdom of God, but nobody had told me the truth to change my way of thinking. What was I taught? A lot of things that weren't even close to being lined up with the kingdom of God. So I was living like I was taught and like I thought. Hallelujah. So our highest priority and our greatest desire should be to, number one, enter the kingdom of God. How many of you know you get born again, you enter the kingdom of God? After you get in there, you need to thirst for a right relationship with God's heavenly government. What do I want to do? I want to get born again, but then after that, I want to thirst for a right relationship with God's heavenly government. It's just not I got born again and now I'm going to heaven and I don't care about anything else. No, you need to become aligned with the new government that you entered into. A man's assignment basically is to establish the influence and culture of heaven on earth by representing the nature, the values, and the morality of God in the earth. Once again, my assignment is to establish the influence and culture of heaven on earth by representing the nature, values, and morality of God in the earth. Basically, it is the king extending his heavenly kingdom to the earth through his offspring, which is mankind. So in order to do that, I'm going to have to think like God. I'm going to have to change and become like God in my thoughts and in my ways in order to do that in my life and transfer it in. And you notice, if everybody even sort of believed this way, we wouldn't be dealing with the stuff we're dealing in government right now. It wouldn't be an argument whether whether 
homosexuality is right or wrong. There wouldn't be an argument of, of getting married homosexual. It wouldn't be a, abortion would even make any difference right now if people even thought naturally. We're just talking about natural. Leave God out of it. It's natural to understand that killing a baby is not a good idea to me. I mean, I knew that before I was born again. Nobody had to teach that to me. I just knew that life was better than death and everybody would have a shot, you know. Well, what's happening? It's going so far the other way. People are so blinded and so full of stuff in their mind that they're seeing things that are obviously wrong and they're still thinking they're right because their minds have been perverted and blinded by someone. See? He went after their mind. So that means whoever gets a hold of your mind will, sh- will decide which way you go. If you spend time in the Word of God, you go one way. You spend your time watching thriller movies or, or, or scary movies. How many of you know you'll be scared? You'll be laying in bed and you'll hear a cricket and you'll go crazy, praise God, just because it's in your mind. Come on. There have been worse things than that. Here it is. I've been pouring this, these thriller movies in. I really like them. They're really scary. Well, now you can't. You don't even walk out to your house. And you get to a place where somebody gets stabbed in Detroit. You live in Florida and you think the guy's coming to your house that night. Just if he's going to get on a plane, fly down, hunt you out, and stab you. But that's where your mind got to, didn't it? That's where it was at. How did it come? It came from the information that you were putting in each and every time. So when Adam basically came, and he was doing fine, and then he lost the kingdom. When he lost the kingdom, he lost somebody by the name of the Spirit of God, left mankind. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God could only come upon people who were cooperating with God the best they could so they could get things done. Jesus came what for? To once again give us righteousness, praise God. If you don't know Jesus' righteousness, then you're never going to have the Holy Ghost because you never believe you're righteous enough to house the Holy Ghost. So, so a church that tells you that you've got to become righteous on your own has no Holy Ghost involved there at all. What you've got is a little membership party there where everybody gets together and has bingo and eats bonbons and does whatever. But that's not it. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you what, you ain't got the kingdom and you ain't got what you need. So what's going on? So basically, what does he do? He comes, you get born again, get righteous, and he puts the Spirit of God, who happens to know the mind of God, pretty well knows the culture of God, pretty well knows the ways of God, and guess where he is? You don't have to call him on the phone. You don't have to drive to see. Right here on the inside of you each and every day, leading you and guiding you. And when you make a little mistake, he said, don't go that way. Go this way. Don't go that way. Go this way. And how many of you ever said, I knew I shouldn't have did it. I, I shouldn't have did it. I thought I shouldn't have did it, but I did it, and it didn't work. I mean, you know, that was the Holy Ghost saying, don't, and you did it anyway. Well, that's okay. Then we turned right around, and we? We got a clue, and we went in the right direction again, and we went back. So this Holy Spirit on the inside of us is bringing the kingdom of God back, and then it has to be a first priority for each and every one of us who get born again to change it the way we think and what we do. So I'm going to spend my life exploring the kingdom of God. I definitely want to experience the kingdom of God, and I'd also like to enjoy the kingdom of God because it's a better life on here than worrying about what I shall eat, what I shall drink, what I shall wear, what all these things are going on. But most of the people you run into is this. You get a government, I'll tell you what, that applies the needs of the people and they can teach anything else they want to and pass it. If they're going to help your little wallet out, then everything's going to be fine and dandy. They'll vote for anybody. They don't care about abortion. They don't care about homosexuality. Just make sure my wallet's fat and I will vote for you. And then in four years, if your wallet ain't fat, guess what? You kick the fat man out and you find another one. But it's not based on morals. It's not based on kingdom. I mean, even the church votes for people who are not even kingdom-minded and kingdom authority, and they know it, but they do it. Why? Because of money, because of what they were taught, because of what they were did. It's not supposed to be that way, praise God. We're kingdom people. What do we say? What God says. And that's what we do. You go on a TV program, you don't have to soft pedal anything. I hear preachers going on, world famous preachers, and what do you think about this? Well, you know, we love everybody, and we're just trying to do this. No, just say what God says. It's an abomination. How can you say that? 
because God said it. I'm not going to candy coat it. I mean, if what, I'm an ambassador. If I want to speak for myself, then I lost my ambassadorship because I'm not here to speak for me. I'm here to speak for God. So I'm going to speak to exactly what God said. It's an abomination. That's what it is. Praise God. How can you say that? I didn't say that. He did. You want to get mad? Get mad at him. You want to attack somebody? Attack him. But you're not going to do very good if you do that. Praise God. So we're ambassadors. We want to speak and we want to say what God does. All right, Matthew chapter 13. And be patient. The one thing we read said the kingdom of God is like leaven. How many know that leaven takes a while to get in the whole lump? So if you start studying the kingdom of God and say, God, God, I ain't understanding anything here. Just keep the leaven in there and keep it moving around and read some more about the kingdom and study it. And it grows and it's the whole lump and gets in there. And So it's not like you're going to understand the kingdom of God in a week. You understand a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. But the more you understand it, the more peace you get, the more joy you get, and the more you know how to learn life the way God wants you to. All right, Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 44. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure that was hid in a field, the which when a man had found, he hides, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So here it's talking about what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a treasure. Say a treasure. So it's like a treasure in a field, and he found this treasure in the field. Notice what he did. He sold all that he had to buy the field. In other words, his priority was switched from everything to buying the field. In other words, you enter the kingdom of God. When you got to that place, you decided to enter the kingdom of God, whether it was preached to you or you just got so low and so messed up from everything else, you just cried out and said, I need something else and I'm going to go in the kingdom of God. So everything he ever acquired, everything he ever worked for, everything important to him, everything he had, he sold everything he had to get the kingdom. Now, most of us got a lot of things to sell. I had some traditions I had to sell. I thought they were part of the kingdom of God. They weren't. I had some things I celebrated in festivals that I did, and this thing I did, and that thing I did. I have trouble celebrating sometimes Christmas. Was Jesus born? Yes. Then you go around, and another year, was Jesus born? Yes. Then you go around, and Jesus born? Yes. And then you do Easter. Praise God. He's risen. Hallelujah. And then you go 40, 50 days. Here comes the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And what do we do? We relax until Christmas comes. Then Jesus is born again. But the question is, why was Jesus born and what good did it do me? I should be living that Jesus was born. I should be living that Jesus died. I should be living that the Holy Ghost came. I should be living. But we put it in sections. You got this section. Hallelujah. This section. Hallelujah. What are we doing? We're just going around in traditions over and over again. Not taking advantage of anything that God did for us. But boy, we know when they come. And we got to get our little presents. And we got to do this. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it. But, I, but many Christians are just stuck in that mindset. See? It's a wonderful time of year. It's Christmas. Well, it's January. It's still a wonderful time of year. It's March. It's still a wonderful time of year. Jesus is risen a long time ago. And I always thought, you know, when I first got born again and I found out that Jesus rose from the dead, I thought, great, Jesus, you're, I'm, I'm glad for you. You got raised from the dead. Good for you. You died and praise God, you're raised from the dead. What good's that do me? I'm glad. I'm glad you're raised from the dead and you got to go back to heaven and everything. But what, what am I celebrating? And then I found out that his resurrection was my resurrection. I found out that his seat in heavenly places was my seat in heavenly places. I found out that his victory was my victory. That his blood provided all my needs. It did everything for me. And then it started to become real to me. But we don't do that. Jesus died. He went to heaven. The Holy Ghost came. 
Holy Ghost. See, if the Holy Ghost really came and you believe it, you wouldn't have to celebrate Pentecost. You'd live in. See, Pentecost is not next year. It's now. Resurrection was not back then. It's now. The kingdom is not a future thing. It's now. Religion told you that you couldn't have it until you died and went to heaven. So the kingdom of God was put off, wasn't it? And anything put off, you cannot appropriate in your own life if you don't even believe it's here now. That's why Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God, he didn't stop right there. He said, is at hand. It's right now. It's here. The kingdom of God is here. Well, I believe when I die and go to heaven, I'll be in the kingdom. Oh, yeah, you will be. And you'll get all the benefits from it, praise God. But you don't need benefits up there because there's really not going to be a whole lot of lack up there. There's not going to be a whole lot of problems up there. There's not... No, it's for now. The kingdom of heaven is right now. We are supposed to be living in the kingdom of heaven. So here he had a priority shift, didn't he? He had all these things he was doing in probably outside, not once he saw this field with this treasure in. And what, what was the field? It's the kingdom of God. What was the treasure? The treasure was everything that came with the field. Peace comes with the field. Joy comes with the field. Now, most people buy the field and never even look for the treasure. So they're born again. Are you born again? Yes. Going to heaven? Yes. Healed? Sick as a dog. <laughs> Worried? Oh, can't even sleep. Fearful? Oh, my God, I shake at night. Well, you're not taking advantage of the treasure in the field. You just got in the field, and you're not finding anything else. What do you have to do? You have to search for that treasure a little bit. You have to seek that treasure, and you have to find that treasure. So he had a change of heart. Notice, and this is good, he sold everything he had with joy. Is that in your Bible? Come on, that can't be in your Bible. Maybe it's just a misprint in mine. No, he sold all that he had with joy. Why? He was so excited about what he found that all the stuff that he acquired over time, he knew he could get a lot more of and had bunches of it in the new place that he found. So he sold it with joy. Look, the other guy wouldn't even sell it with no joy. Rich young ruler, sell all you have. <laughs> even if he'd have sold it, you know he'd have been crying. He'd have been hollering. He'd have been wailing. But no, this was joy. Why? Because he found the kingdom of God. All right, look at verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he did what? He bought it. Now, this is once again talking about the kingdom of God. It's talking about a pearl that this man found. Notice what he was seeking for first, a bunch of goodly pearls. What, before I got born again, I was seeking a bunch of goodly pearls. What was I seeking? My own conduct. Going to church on Sunday was going to save me. Uh, 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 going to confession was going to save me. Showing up for Christmas and Easter was definitely a saver there. All these pearls that I had, and how many know they weren't bad things? They were pearls, but they weren't the one pearl that was the most important thing, actually, getting in the kingdom of God itself. Then I didn't have to go to church to get saved because I was saved. I went to church because I was saved. See the motive change? See the thinking change? I don't have to give to get. I give because I've already got. See, it changes the whole motive. I don't have to be nice to somebody so God's nice to me. He's always nice to me so I can be nice to somebody else. See, it changes your motive. Everything in religion is trying to do something to get something. If you think about it, it's probably manipulation. You know? God, I went to church and I stayed an extra hour and I just want you to know that you now owe me Try to give him all the reasons why he should do something for you that he already did for you, and you just don't know he did it, so you're trying to get it. It doesn't work that way. So here, basically, he found one pearl, and this pearl, after he found it, he sold everything else. What did he do? He made it his priority. So once you get in the kingdom of God and you discover the kingdom, you've got to make it your priority to study the kingdom, to find out about the kingdom, to learn about the kingdom. We already know about 
Christian. We already know about religion. We already know about governments. We know communism. We know socialism. We know democracy. But do we know about the spiritual kingdom of the kingdom of God? So in order to do this, we're going to have to do a lot of something called repenting. Say repenting. So we need a guide to repent, don't we? All right, go to Psalm 19. I just want to say for myself, I'm doing pretty good tonight. <laughs> All right, Psalm 19. Look at verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect. It will convert the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It will enlighten your eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than that of gold. Yea, much more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is a great what? Reward. So he tells you about the laws of the Lord. He said, man, you get in the laws of the Lord. You understand the laws of the Lord. Number one, it will convert your soul. How many know that's repentance and the changing of your mind? Number two, it will make, make wise the simple. How many know we were all simple when we got born again? It will cause rejoicing in your heart. That's why some people have joy. Some don't. It will enlighten your eyes. It will give you revelation into what you're doing. And notice it will also warn you. How many know the laws of the Lord warn you? How many know the Holy Ghost warns you? And all these things must be desired, even more than gold, fine gold. And notice the result of all these is a great reward. Say a great reward. What's the great reward? It's kingdom living. It's living in the kingdom of God. It's receiving everything that Jesus bought and paid for each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for tonight. I just pray as this word went forth tonight that the people who are hearing and listening and anybody that hears it on the tape that it would go into their heart and help them to understand how important it is to seek your kingdom out and come to understand it. We thank you, Father, for your revelation tonight. We thank you for the revelation that has already come and more coming. And we thank you for continuing to open our eyes to fulfill our purpose and the plan of ruling and reigning in this earth and bringing other people into the kingdom of God. We thank you for what is done tonight. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. the key.